All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I, don't, I won't cover the Canucks. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network podcast and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go. Hello Canucks fans, 
My name is David Quadrelli. This is Canucks Conversation. I'm not joined by the man who built the place, Chris Faber, just yet. We'll get to him shortly. We're here to break down the NHL draft. He, Our studio in Nashville is being taken up by uh, Frank Saravalli right now. So Faber is getting big-timed uh, at our own studio right now. But he'll be joining us shortly. Uh, David Quadrelli alongside producer Aaron Bordado. Aaron, you can pull yourself up. I saw when I disconnected a few days ago before I got this brand-new computer that I'm on here. You, uh, you, you co-hosted with Faber, so you can pull yourself up. We want to get all the all the takes here. Uh, Aaron Otto, our technical producer, uh, stuck in Edmonton, kind of left behind like me. I just producing all these shows, but I don't get to have any of the fun. Look, man, we're we're the we're the engine that's the driving force behind all this, and that's that's what we have to remember. That's what you and I have to remember, dude. We're glue guys. Like this. We're glue exactly. Guys. We're glue guys. We're good in the room. You need guys like us, and the Canucks. Mm-hmm. Drafted a few of those in the fourth round. We'll get to that and much more. But first, we should mention that Canuck Conversation is brought to you by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order at ZephyrEpic.com. That is Z-E-P-H-Y-R, Epic. Check them out on all platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, whatever it is, they've got you covered for all of your trading card needs. They also have a retail location in Surrey that you can go check out. We've done some video work there. Uh, Beautiful location in Surrey, British Columbia. So go check them out. Faber, if you're listening to this, we should get a poll question up. A poll question brought to you by Atlas Goods. I don't think we have one yet because Faber's been running around all morning. He was texting me telling me, I can't get an Uber from the arena. He's having all all this trouble finding his way back to the hotel. Doesn't know what he's going to do. I think he might have even missed Todd Harvey's availability, which I'm sure crushed him. Because it's interesting what Todd Harvey had to say about this draft class. Because a lot of people have a lot of thoughts about stuff like this. And you go on Twitter, the draft class, look, the Canucks draft class, it seems like the consensus on Twitter among Canucks fans is, yeah, I'm fine with what they did in the first and the third round. But what the hell happened in the fourth round? And even the rounds after that, people are fine with it. Late round picks, you're probably not going to get NHLers or anybody that's going to stick or mean anything for your organization long term. You're likely not looking at that. So Tom Willander, that is the first guy we're going to talk about. Uh, Faber's going to give some analysis on him as well. Don't worry, folks. Uh, But you're stuck with me for now. So for those on the YouTube live show... Aaron, let's pull up the Tom Lander highlights that Faber has put together for us here. And for those on the podcast, I know this is really, really not good to listen to. So I will talk you through it. I'm not going to give play by play, but Faber today, Faber's our prospect guy, let's be honest here. Uh, Faber today wrote an article for CanucksArmy.com about what the Canucks have in this first round pick when Tom Lander, the 11th overall selection by the Canucks. Remember our last episode, we went before the draft. So this is our first reaction to the first round and the second round, which is obviously now concluded with Tom Willander. We've heard about him before, right? Like right shot defenseman rated as the third or fourth best defenseman in this draft by most outlets. He ends up being the third defenseman selected. Also Dmitry Simashev, a guy we hoped would be there for the Canucks at 10 that Faber seemed like the first guy, at least in my opinion, in the public sphere, to say was the best defenseman in the draft. He ends up being the first one selected by the Arizona Coyotes. So look, I I, I liked the Simashev pick for the Coyotes. I hoped he would be there for 10. Is it a bit of a reach at that spot? 
I think we'll have to wait and see because it's like what Faber said about Simashev, where a lot of people probably looked at his hockey DB page, saw not a lot of points in the MHL, which is the Russian Junior League, and said, okay, well, this guy can't be a player. Faber j- jumped into it a lot more yesterday. So if you want to hear it, go back. You, you Maybe we'll talk about it later on in this episode. I'm sure we'll be talking about Simashev for years. But Faber thought he was the best defenseman in the draft. I, I take Faber's opinion pretty highly. Axel Sandin Pelika, a guy we thought would go in the top 10. A lot of people thought he was going to be a top 10 defenseman in this draft. Ends up falling quite a bit. He turned out to be a late teens pick. So back to Tom Willander, the third defenseman taken in the draft. Right shot defenseman. Uh, out of Sweden, plays with Regle, which is the junior club, uh, excuse me, the SHL and junior club of Niels Huglander. Um, so so we're hoping we have some connections there. I know Faber does, so that'll be good. But he's off to the NCAA next season to join Boston University, and he will be joined by Aiden Celebrini and Macklin Celebrini, but Aiden Celebrini, the Canucks' final pick uh, in the sixth round of this draft, brother, of course, of Macklin Celebrini the projected first overall pick of the 2024 NHL entry draft. I wrote about this. Canucks are playing the long game. Canucks are playing the long game with Bedard, playing the long game with Celebrini. Look, if you want to get Macklin Celebrini to come here as a UFA, draft his brother, sign his brother. Brother's not supposed to be, you know, a world eater. Okay, go get a world beater. <laughs> get him to, uh, you know, give give him the Brandon Tanev special. Give him a 7-year 1 million dollar deal. There you go. Set for life. Now you get Macklin celebrate that deal. And my co-host ready. Is that a highlighter in your hand? Uh Chris Faber joins us from Nashville. Chris, how's it going? You're you're not sweating, so you didn't have to run back to the studio. How how was the travel back? Uh it's actually pissing down rain like we were sitting in there at the end of the draft and the uh thunder and lightning started hitting. So uh yeah, might have a little bit of damp in the hair, but it's not sweat this time. So how do you feel about the Canucks draft? We're talking about Tom Willander, by the way. And I, okay. I was laboring yeah, through that reading your article. So, Tom Willander. Uh, <laughs> okay, where'd you leave off? Him? What do you want to know? That Just like we did a month and a half ago when I told you the Canucks are going to take Willander. And I said I watched every single shift of his. What do you want to know about him? Because I watched a bunch last night again. So far, I've gotten to he is Swedish and shoots right. And I'm not even sure if I mentioned the shoots right part. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, you're talking, he's going to be you next year. Obviously, the Canucks took a little bit of a reach there, but I don't think it was the hor- like the worst reach we saw in the draft, right? Like, I could see Willander very easily going 14, 15, 16 in that range, and that's probably where, if you're talking about talent, that's where he should end up. For the Canucks to go out, get a right-shot defenseman, find that position of need. You heard Patrick Alvin talk about it. He said that this is the type of player that could be playing with Quinn Hughes down the road. The skating is incredible, obviously, with Willander. That's his biggest trait. I think he was the second-best skating defenseman in the draft behind Simashev. And this player is – I mean, the development is going to be interesting. Watching him go to BU, he's going to be playing that Hockey East division. That's a hell of a division to grow into. On top of that, think about that United States national team line. They're all going to BC, so they're going to be matching up with him a ton. And they like the challenge for him. Also, he was doubled down today. We heard from Patrick Alvin. He said that there was the best player available for the Vancouver Canucks at 11th overall. Todd Harvey, director of scouting, said the exact same thing today uh, when we followed up about it. So the Vancouver Canucks are very committed to saying that this was the best player available. Even though Zach Benson was there, I guess they looked at that player. And though there was a ton of skill in Benson's game, they thought Willander was the best player available at the time. And like I said, they doubled down on it today. couple things here. The Benson versus Willander conversation seems to go back to the one we had surrounding Nate Danielson, where we talk about a guy's floor and a guy's ceiling. To me, Zach Benson has superstar potential. I don't really think that's a hot take. Tom Willander probably isn't going to be a superstar in this league, 
But I would argue that his floor is higher than Zach Benson's. Like, I think Willander is the safer bet to play more games in the NHL. Like, safer bet might not happen. Zach Benson could be a superstar, but a mm-hmm. safer bet nonetheless. Would you agree? Yeah, I think safer bet's the way to go. I think, listen, you're, it's very difficult to find a right shot defenseman that can skate like that, can be six foot one, has a little bit of offense, and is trustworthy in his own zone. And you're not going to find that guy on the trade market. You're not going to be able to get that player in free agency. So the Canucks had to pay a little bit of a premium to go from 11 there and be able to pick Willander. But, like, even, you know, if Benson doesn't hit his absolute ceiling, He's the type of player you find in free agency. He's the type of player that teams seem to be dumping off their contracts around this time of year. Like, that's if Benson doesn't hit his absolute ceiling, which, listen, if he does, he would have been a great linemate for Elias Patterson, and that would have been nice to see for the Vancouver Canucks. But I think Will Lander, like, in the end, it's not – if I was standing up there, it probably wouldn't have been my pick. But I will say that he's probably the second guy. Like, if Benson was gone, or if I kind of had, like, convinced from my scouting staff that he wasn't the player that we really wanted there – I'm completely fine with Willander because I saw some people, you know, on social media last night ripping into the Canucks saying it was a horrible peg. They reach so hard. It's the Levy 2.0. I don't think so. Like, I think you have such a good base level of skill set right now for a player who played. Listen, he's averaging about 22 minutes a night this past season when you track down all of his games. He had 13 goals and 40 assists. Like, Willander was a forward a couple of years ago. He has a little bit more offense in him. And I think his skating is still the best part of his game. And the fact that he's going to be able to work on his defense, playing against some really good teams, as I mentioned, in the NCAA Hockey East, like, you know, it, it's not perfect, but I still think it's pretty damn good with what they did with Will Lander. And I know you've ran the highlights already of all of his goals that we clipped from the season. Like, it, it's a good pick in the end. I'm not mad about the pick at all. Do I think that Will Lander is the 11th best player in the draft? No. I think he's a little bit lower down than that. But I do think at 11 overall, the Canucks needed that position. They haven't drafted a defenseman in the first two rounds since Quinn Hughes. They needed to go get a defenseman. And this is the guy that, you know, by the sounds of it, the way Patrick Alvin was talking about it yesterday, this is the guy they think is going to play with Hughes in a few years. So this is the conversation that we have every draft, right? Like, it's the conversation that people are having about Dmitry Simashev right now. Is Sure, the Coyotes thought he was the best player available for them as well. Canucks thought Willander was the best player available at 11. But the consensus was that those guys were going to go later. So a lot of fans wondering, okay, why didn't they trade down? And I think the simple answer is if you look at where the Canucks would have maybe been able to trade down, it was to that Blackhawks pick at 19th. And by then, mm. there's a serious chance that Willander is gone. So I don't think the Canucks were willing to run that risk. They got their guy. They got their guy. And now we wait and see if they'll come to regret it. But look. I don't think anybody had a worse draft than the Montreal Canadiens, the Detroit Red Wings. And, and like, I, I don't know if I'm willing to put Arizona in that conversation, but Detroit and Montreal, that, that that's looking tough so far. Yeah. I mean, listen, uh, to see what the Detroit Red Wings did there, they, they end up picking Danielson at nine. I think that, uh, you know, Canucks fans could finally stop holding their breath there. I, I know a lot of Canucks fans did not want to see Danielson be the guy at 11. He was, uh, you know, the low floor, low ceiling or high floor, low ceiling type of player. And, you know, it kind of gave us the kind of vibes of when the Canucks were able to draft Quinn Hughes when they picked uh, Phillips Adina at that point. I, I mean, to see... To see them do that and then go with ASP, yeah, the, they really did the Canucks a favor, it feels like, the way that we've been talking about them over the last little bit here. Uh, and that that really opened up the door to be, okay, you can get one of Dvorsky or one of Benson. That was all the talk right before that 11th overall pick. But like I said, like I don't really have a problem with them going with the right shot defenseman. This is a, a position that is extremely difficult to get in the NHL. And I, though I don't think, like I said, he's not a top 10 talent and I didn't uh, agree with the rankings where he was put uh, in their top 10, but 
he's a he's a good right shot defenseman. He's in, in my eyes immediately the Vancouver Canucks' best prospect. And honestly, I don't think it's even that close. It's it's a, if you're ranking it in tiers, Willander's in a tier of his own right now. Okay, uh, Canucks have announced their development camp at UBC next week. Uh, kicks off on Sunday, Sunday, July second through July fifth, the Wednesday. So we'll be getting out there talking to some players. There's one player that I really want to talk to, Chris. Uh, as, are you done talking about Willander? Because I've I've got some, oh, I've got some things to say. Just about the it's it's too bad my fiance we haven't been able to see each other very much. She went on her bachelorette party. I went down here for the draft. She's like, hey, let's take Sunday together. You and me have a nice day together. Then these yeah. Canucks come out here and announce development camp, and we have to be there for day one of development camp. I'm getting my ass kicked as soon as I land in Vancouver. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be tough. The us out of development camp. Okay, there's one there's one defenseman, one player from this draft class that I really really cannot wait to talk to you. I already put in the request. This is my turf. If any other media are listening to this, uh, Hunter Brustevich, is that how you say his name? You know Hunter what? Uh, it's going to, it's going to take me 48 hours to figure out how to pronounce Brustevich, which I'm working on it. I'm, I'm very struggling with, I'm going with Hunter for now. Yeah. Hunter B Hunter B uh, tall, strong puck moving defenseman, but way more importantly than his on ice tr- characteristics, big Lego fan. Big fan of Lego. Had just built that. And Aaron pulls it up beautifully. Had just built the Lego Titanic, which comes in at nine thousand and ninety pieces. That is dedication. Oh. That is patience. That is precision. That is just all around talent to go out and build that. Like, look, that guy's committed to his craft. If, if he's as committed to Lego as he is hockey, he's going to be the best player the Canucks took in this entire draft class, and you can take that to the bank. Yeah, so Quads, tell me what you can learn from a hockey player when he's able to build a 9,000-plus piece Lego set. Then I need to know, like, what are what are the traits that you can get from building this massive Titanic thing that he was bragging about in media to us? Lots. So if you're in the gym and a teammate needs a spotter and you need to kind of stop your own work, yeah, you can stop your own work because you can not only have the patience and precision to do your own work, but you can go help someone else. So he's going to go spot his teammates in the gym. He's going to be a glue guy. He's going to be someone that brings everybody together. Hey, what are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm building Lego. You want to come over? Boom. Gets teammates into safe, fun activities. That's what the NHL wants from their teams. Now, now, now here's the thing, right? Is these draft questions, these draft questions of what was the one that Reinbacker talked about? He's like, okay, you're, you're in world war two and you're told to bomb an enemy ship, but your teammates are in the water and they'll die. And he says, but I, I don't want to kill my teammates. And then, then they're like, but it's an order or whatever it was. That was the story that he told instead of asking crazy questions like that. What's your favorite Lego set? Oh, I don't have one. Mm, Okay. You're a party. You're probably, you're probably not doing things you should be doing. You ask this guy, what's your favorite set rattles off 20 starts giving you their set numbers, not even saying them by name, just running off the numbers of the sets. That's, that's dedication to the craft. I can't wait to talk to this kid. We're going to have a nice time talking about Lego tell you that much yeah i know you guys are gonna have your leg i can't wait for the lego article to come out geez that was two minutes too long already about it uh but i tell you what the the right shot defenseman there hunter b we're calling him good puck mover obviously uh offense is kind of where he leans towards a little bit more um playing with kitchener last year he was the highest scoring draft eligible defenseman out of the ohl so that's damn impressive in his own right uh and i really liked the way that that kind of transitioned into the other third round pick that they make and i see lisa in the chat and i know lisa loved this pick lisa let me know if i'm pronouncing it right sawyer minio 
what a pick for them there at that point. This is a defensive defenseman who played in a depth role on an extremely good Seattle Thunderbirds team. What they did, obviously making their run, winning the WHL, getting a chance in the Mem Cup, all that stuff. This was the type of player that played for them and played a big role defensively. Though he was a depth guy, you're looking in the next season, he's going to be back with Seattle. He's going to be getting more minutes. We're going to see a bunch of players graduating from that Seattle Thunderbirds team. And then you have to look at him as one of those guys that needs to step up. He was there at the Mem Cup. He was there when they won the WHL championship. He's one of the guys who's probably looked at to be a leader right now. And I like a little bit more of that pressure put on a prospect because now it's like, hey, you're drafted. You're a third round pick. You're picked by your local team. And, you know, he's a BC kid in his own right uh, down from Kamloops down there. Even though he didn't cheer for the Canucks growing up, he was an Oilers fan, he told us as well. So he's changed that real quick. But I like the fact that they're putting him in a situation now where he's going to have to be looked at as a leader. The new crop of young kids coming in, they're going to have to look at this 18-year-old kid. He's not going to be the depth guy anymore for the Thunderbirds. And I know Lisa is extremely excited about that. I see her in the chat there with Sawyer, with Sawyer Minio, who, as I mentioned, and I, I asked uh, Canucks director of scouting, Todd Harvey, about this. The two defensemen they took in that third round, kind of opposites. you got a right-hander who's a little bit more offensive. you got a left-hander who's a little bit more defensive. Kind of like the swing there. And then I even asked a joke about it with uh, with Harvey there that, like, they were they were almost going to go all defensemen in this draft. The way the board shook down, like, when they did end up taking the forwards, and we'll get to that, this whole fourth round is where we need to spend a little bit more time on because that was the way more confusing picks, I'd have to say, and the fact that they went with forwards there in that spot, we'll get into that, I'm sure, in just a second. But kind of touched on it was like, they, they could have very easily gone all defensemen in this draft because they were taking BPA, and that's the way the, the board kind of shook down here. Now, with... Minio, the thing that I kind of, you know, kind of looked at immediately and thought of was he was able to get into games, create some offense on a very crowded Seattle blue line. Like, that's like to thing. me, that that's the biggest thing with this pick is the fact he was able to get into the Seattle lineup. And like you just said, going to be a leader next year. He was able to create some offense. Let's see if he can take that step next year. Like, let, let's see what that step looks like next year. Because you have to think it's going to be pretty big just with the opportunity that he's going to be getting. But the fact that he was able to forge himself a spot on that blue line, I think is the biggest thing with this pick. But I also don't know if he plays with Lego yet. Yeah, but think about the experience he got at the WHL Championship going on that team. And listen, I know he was in a depth role playing this season, but just to be able to get that experience under your belt, that has to do nothing but help for a 17-year-old kid. Yeah, he was, you know, the guy who was playing 13 minutes a night in the dub. And that's not exactly, you know, that's not the player that you're targeting in a first round, but you pick him up in the third. I really like what the Canucks did with their first three picks. Um, I know that Sawyer Minio is, is, wasn't as highly ranked on a lot of the boards, but I like the player type, and I like the fact that they just went with another defenseman. In general, that's just what I'm happy with with the Vancouver Canucks in their first three rounds. Let's get to the fourth round, because this is where I was damn confused. Uh, I, I actually want your take on the fourth round quads, because I, I have a feeling you've never heard of any three of these guys. <laughs> we touched, we've done a lot of draft coverage uh, at Canucks Army this past uh, you know kind of three months here, really keying in on it. These three players were not anywhere close to being fourth round evaluations in my eyes. This looked like, like, this is the joke I made to you and in various group chats I'm in, is the Canucks selected Jackson Coons three times in the fourth round. Now, yeah. I like I like the big the big forward that they took. Like six foot six winger. The thing is, and look, I, I know you're you're a little more passionate about this than I am, but people that are actually upset about the fourth round selections, come on. I'm just like how many times does a fourth round hit? Like, fourth round picks don't hit that often. I just, look, I'm not saying mail it in, 
I'm just saying don't lose sleep over who the Canucks picked in the fourth round. And look, sure. I, I know a lot of guys didn't like, uh, or excuse me, a lot of people didn't like the guys that they took in the fourth round. I didn't really care. I looked at their profiles and thought, yeah, okay, they took Jackson Coons three times. Like, that's my take on it, is none of these guys are probably, especially the overager that they took in that, at first. I don't think that was, he was... That was such a confusing pick. That I, was I, confusing because he wasn't really rated anywhere. Like, he no. wasn't in many draft guides. He wasn't somebody that anybody really thought was going to be a draft selection this year. I mean, he's a few months away from just being able to sign him. Right. Like this was his last chance of being an eligible draft player. And I didn't think that any other team was going to go for him. So uh, the thing that I asked uh, the Todd Harvey director of scouting about these three players was like, they kind of all have the same profile. Like they aren't the best skaters. And you know what? The best skater is actually the six foot six winger that they took out of Sweden. I think he's the best skater of this crew. Uh, But you know, I got to spend a lot more time watching these guys. I did get like a a watch or two of Ty Mueller, but I wasn't paying attention to him. I'm watching other players in the NCAA games, but he was one of the players that was kind of being watched a little bit when we were doing our NCAA draft uh, kind of free agency targets at that point. But I, yeah, I was a little shocked to see that go Tim Mueller. Ty Mueller goes at one Oh five. And then it's like, you know, Hoyt Stanley, the right shot defenseman who grew up a Canucks fan, played for the Victoria Grizzlies in the BCHL. He goes three picks later. Heck, Rodwin Dianocchio, like we we saw, I know you like him, he's got Italian name quads, but like he ends up going to start the fourth or start the fifth round. And if like, if you're going for an overage route, why not go with a kid who just blew up and is, uh, you know, after getting passed in his one year of draft eligibility, then he goes to Switzerland at the World Juniors, scores a huge goal for them, hits the gritty on his way after scoring that goal. And then he ends up coming in and just being excellent as you're blowing up offensively. He's the overager I would have looked at. So I was damn shocked to see uh, some of these picks be kind of thrown around in the fourth round where, yeah, like none of these three guys were showing up on rankings. But what we heard from Harvey was that, they're smart players, and I, I just feel like that's the thing that gets thrown out there a lot when they don't have an actual trait that you have to be excited about, right? Like, listen, he's not the fastest skater. He doesn't have the best shot. He's not physical. He's smart. Like, that's kind of just what it feels like the go-to would be in that situation when you're talking about these prospects. And it's like you can't measure smarts, I guess, really. When, like You have to just singly go out there and watch the players. So maybe you have to give it to the scouting staff at that point. Maybe these are just three really smart players, but – I just feel like the Canucks always end up picking smart players in the third to kind of fifth rounds. And I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. The six foot six winger, Wilmer Ulrikson, which is going to be a difficult one to, uh, to get working with here, but the six foot six winger coming out of Sweden, I heard some good things about him though. Uh, pretty decent skater, able to go to the net. Uh, and he grew up uh, playing in Jur gardens system as well. Got a little bit of time with Jonathan LeCaramacchi, but Harvey said there wasn't really much of a connection between those two. Uh, but he, he, that's an exciting prospect to follow. It'll be cool to see him at development camp and, and see how he kind of looks compared to the rest of the guys in his draft class. And if he moves extremely well, then yeah, you can start to get a little bit excited about him. But yeah, the didn't really, from what I heard about Matthew Perkins, who was their final pick uh, of the fourth round, they had those three picks. I heard it. He is a very poor skater. Uh, he scored 15 goals and added 29 assists last year uh, in 60 games. At least they got a center at that point, but uh, there was there were some big names like Cam Allen, who if you went back like a year, he was projected in the top 10. He was projected as the best defenseman, obviously fell off quite a bit, had some bad tournaments and didn't have the best season as well, but maybe you kind of take a risk at that point. It just felt like they didn't really risk much with those fourth round picks, which is a spot where I really thought they could have taken a chance on some guys uh, and take some of those home run swings, but it felt like these were just, you know, 
all of these picks felt like a bunt to move the guy over. Like those are what all three of them felt like. And it didn't feel like, you know, the Canucks could have taken some swings there. I really thought they should have, but uh, yeah, week fourth round. I know a lot of people online were, were ripping them for that one. First of all, nothing wrong with bunting to move a guy over, but look how intricate this Titanic set is that uh, our boy Hunter B built. That is, that is a big set. That is a big set to build. And I'll tell you what, that shows a lot of character, but Back wow. to the picks. You just said there was no home run swings, and that's what I think it came down to for me as well when I was looking at these. You did a mock draft over at Canucks Army where you only took home run swings, and I'll tell you what, none of these three guys were on that list, Chris. And I looked at that, and I said, you know, that's kind of my philosophy with the late rounds is you take those home run swings. It's like yeah. it's like in the, you know, the Canucks philosophy and Ian Clark's philosophy with drafting goaltenders is take the guys that maybe – don't have the best tools, but they have some real raw abilities that you can kind of mold and develop into something. That's what we saw with Arch Seelovs, right? That's what we're seeing with Arch Seelovs. That's what we hope to see with Akukoskenvo, what we hope to see with Ty Young. No goaltender taken in this draft. We kind of thought that would be the thing. Usually it's either two out of every three years or three out of every four years. So we're assuming that the Canucks will take a goaltender next year and potentially the year after that, but no goaltender this year for the Canucks. Did that surprise you at all? Or did you kind of listen to me with the whole two and three thing? Yeah, no, I was listening to you on the goalie stuff. And I think once, uh, man, cause there was a pretty good run there at the start of the second round started today. Um, I think there was what three in the first seven picks of the second round or three in the yep. first nine picks. Like they, they ran off pretty quick there in a row. And then Damian Clara uh, ended up going just a little bit later than that. I know that's the one that you liked because he was born in Italy. Uh, but uh yeah, I didn't, th- I didn't see the Canucks really targeting a goaltender that late. Maybe they'll go find a, a guy next year in the draft that they like when it's a little bit deeper. But we'll, we'll touch on the final one here um, because a little tie-in. Obviously, his dad used to work for the Vancouver Canucks. His brother's projected right now to be the top pick in the 2024 NHL entry draft. And the Canucks picked up Aiden Celebrini, who is also a position of need as a right-shot defenseman. I, I liked this pick in the sixth round. I think this is where he was likely to go. And I think the fact that you can go out there and get a position of need watch him develop. He's going to be playing with his brother. He's also going to be playing with Tom Willander. They're all going to the same school together at BU next year. So I like that. Uh, it's also going to make scouting a little bit easier for me to be able to watch these guys and, you know, keep up with the highlights. So I like the player six foot one out of the AJHL. And in the sixth round, this is the type of player I love to see them draft. So uh, I'm happy with Aiden celebrating anything to add on him. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No, like, like I said, I, I don't know if you were here at the start, but I was talking about him saying that's the long game to get Macklin Celebrini and Connor Bedard <laughs> to sign here in free agency. That's the long game, Chris. That's the long game. And, and I want to read this tweet. Sorry, I don't do any show prep or send anything to Aaron, but I'll read this tweet uh, from J.D. Burke. Actually, in my defense, this came out after the show started. But this from Elite Prospects Editor-in-Chief J.D. Burke. He said, the general feeling in the industry is that the Canucks did well to add Tom Willander and Hunter B to their system, but not much love for their work from that point on. A lot of players that weren't ranked and weren't even on other teams' radars. Does that surprise you at all? I mean, a little bit like, you know, especially with Vancouver, maybe having some of those local ties to like Mazden Leslie didn't end up getting selected. He's a center from the or a right shot defenseman um, from the Vancouver Giants. And I know he's got some size behind him. I was a little surprised to see him not get picked. Jordan Turingi from uh, from the QMJHL, another right shot defenseman like these type of players were a little bit surprised to see them not at least have a team take a swing on them. But it just feels like the NHL team stuck to their list, right? They stuck to their lists and. Uh, a lot of players are going to slide through the cracks here at this point, and that's kind of the way we saw it play out. So, I, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of scouting sites, and you mentioned elite prospects there. The way that they talked about the Canucks draft is maybe one of the worser ones. That's unfortunate for value, but uh, we'll we'll have to see because I, I think that there's a lot there with Will Ander, and specifically it's it's difficult, right? Because how much have we talked about? Like, hey, let's the Canucks need a defenseman. They didn't need a defense prospect. So to go out and get Willander at 11, the reach wasn't that bad. That's kind of the way that I've been feeling about this player for a long time, where it's like, I, I would have preferred Willander over Danielson uh, for the Canucks' prospect system. And I know Danielson's a center. <laughs> Listen, the Canucks need centers as well. But just, you're not going to be able to find this type of player anywhere else but in the draft. And now it's going to come down to how they develop him. And I like the fact that there's two players on their prospect pool now going to BU. Uh, I know that uh, Patrick Albin also mentioned somebody from his staff is a former B- BU player as well. So he's going to be involved quite a bit. Uh, and that's, you know, those are all the type of things that we like to see. So it's all going to come down to development. And I'm super curious to see what happens here with, with Will Lander. Is he a one and done? Like, are we talking like an NBA style type of move here when he plays? I think it was shocking enough to hear that he was going to the NCAA in its own right. And that kind of opens up the door where we've talked talked about this in the past of like, listen, Swed- Swedish players don't like coming over to the AHL, right? They're they're a lot bigger stars. They get a lot better. They get treated way better when they're in the SHL, and that's why a lot of them won't come to the uh, to the AHL to kind of develop. So I'm curious to see what happens if if it goes well for Willander. Does he like the Canucks enough at that point to say, okay, like I'm going to go to the AHL after one year? And that, that would be cool. Like it, it's just steady progression, getting yourself closer and closer to the NHL. And if Will Anders going to do that, like I'd love to see him in Abbotsford after a year in the NCAA, but I think he'll probably do a couple years before he comes up. And and hopefully at that point, I think the expectation for himself when he does want to go pro is probably to play in the NHL. Uh, and we'll have to see what happens. Like it, it might end up being three full seasons in the NCAA before we see Will Anders coming up to the NHL. So it's, I think this is a, 
it was interesting to hear Alvin talk about it. He said it's not a sprint. And then he started saying it's more of a marathon, and he stopped himself, and he said, but maybe not with Willander as such a marathon as well. So I think they're hoping that it's going to be, you know, one or two years here and then get him into pro hockey. And I, I don't think it would be any problem having him out in Abbotsford working with the Sedins every day too. Quickly here, Thomas Millich, Lisa uh, made a point of mentioning it, and I want to as well. Thomas Millich from Coquitlam, former Coquitlam Express, played one game for them, uh, was drafted in the fifth round at 151 yep. uh, by the Winnipeg Jets. So shout out Thomas Millich. Okay, uh, for your draft day haul, I, I want to, I don't know if you sent this to Aaron or not, but you did a, uh, you did a, mock draft of your own the live blog over at canucks army where you looked at each pick and at each spot you wrote who you would have selected now i want to quickly go through your list chris because you ended up with one forward and all defensemen the rest of the way your thought process there was just to load up on the uh load up on the prospect pool and load up defense you took you took a lot of right defensemen here. It's up on the Canucks Combo Twitter account if you want to go look at it, folks. But all defensemen, and I just want we don't have to talk about it on mass, but I think that's the route that I think a lot of Canucks fans would have liked to see the team take in this draft. I would have had no problem if they would have gone all defensemen. And yeah, you, you mentioned it, the live blog. I, I just picked who I would have taken in that spot, and I felt really good coming out and seeing the list of players that I ended up getting there. Uh, you know, it, I think the first two picks you could see today, I mean, like you can make the argument either way for the Canucks or my pick. I would go either way. I like, I like both the options that we went where there, we both ended up picking left shot and right shot defenseman in that spot. But that fourth round, like if you would have come out of that with Hoyt Stanley, Rodwin Dinocchio and Chase Cheslock, like those are three big bodied prospects who have a lot of really exciting skills. Then you look at who the Canucks ended up drafting. It's three prospects. One's a big body. The other two are undersized. One of them's a center, the other one's a winger. Not really an exciting skill in any of those games. The most exciting skill with who the Canucks picked in the fourth round is the one guy's six foot six. Oh, I, I just think that when you're swinging in the fourth round, you got to take some big swings. You got to go for that skill that just sticks out. And and I kind of asked about that with with Matthew Perkins specifically, and the way that it was talked about with Todd Harvey was saying like, yeah, there was one of our scouts who really, really, really loved his skating and. I'm thinking of the, you know, the scouts that I were talking to were saying that they didn't like uh, his skating, and that's why he slipped quite a bit, and they didn't even have him on their list. So, I don't know. And then Connor Levis, yeah, I mean, like, good Kamloops kid. Uh, got a really good opportunity this past year to, you know, be at the uh, at the Memorial Cup. They were hosting, obviously, and he's a guy that could easily pop 40-plus in the dub next year. So, I think you know, the fact that he went deep, I think he ended up just getting picked, like, after pick 200 or something. Uh, but I went with him in the sixth round. I liked the player there, and I think uh, Aiden Celebrini, I think, is in a similar area. So I didn't think that was too bad. But I really think, like, that's where maybe I'm biased because it's literally my draft that we did. But I think my fourth round was much better than the Canucks anyways. But, hey, five years from now, let's look down the road. Maybe I'm just an idiot. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What now? What now is free agency? Actually, when do you come back home? Like, Like, when's your flight out of Nashville? Uh, bright and early tomorrow morning, I think like seven thirty my time here. So I'll, uh, which is like five thirty Vancouver time. So yeah, I've done my going out, uh, for the week here in Nashville. I didn't go out last night either. So yeah, last two nights, nothing. And you'll be doing some sort of recap of everything. Uh, the whole draft class, I think we'll be doing a grading each pick, uh, maybe a roundup. We haven't really talked about it, but you'll obviously kind of be championing, our draft coverage as you have this whole time. I thought we did a great job. I just want to give ourselves a little pat on the back here. I think we've done a fantastic job uh, with 
Canucks Army this week. I think it's been fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so what's next? Free agency. You're coming here on Saturday. We're working together. Uh, no show, but we will probably do one on Monday. Like you're going to be at dev camp on Sunday. I don't know if I'm going to make it out for that, but you'll be out there. Or, or, I guess free agency is the next thing. Like that's the next thing on the dock and it's coming quick. Like we're going to be doing free agency the day after you get home. Yeah. Um, and Frank uh, was just on talking about Carson Soucy as well to keep an eye on for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, we've heard Rick Dollywall reporting on Ian Cole. A um, couple of defensemen to watch. So we know the Canucks need a defenseman that can kill penalties, and there are some ones out there right now, of course. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we, we actually rank them with the dog rating uh, formula as well. If you want to check that over at Canucks Army, I rank the top 15 uh, players and measured them, how much dog they have in them. So uh, that's over on Canucks Army right now. Um, but yeah, I think the Canucks need, they still need to address that third line center. They still need to get a defenseman who can kill penalties. They still need someone who can play with Quinn Hughes. Like, are we seriously talking about Noah Juleson being the partner for Quinn Hughes to start the season? Like he doesn't even have a contract yet. Like they literally don't have anyone on their roster to play with Quinn Hughes right now, because I don't think it's going to be Philip Ronick. They're going to want him to be second pairing guy. There's a lot of work to be done for the Canucks on free agency, and I know they do have some cap flexibility, obviously, after the OEL buyout, but they don't have enough money to fix all their problems still. There's still a lot of money on their books that is not going to help them uh, next season as much as it should be, so we'll have to see what happens here moving forward. Yeah, we'll see what happens on free agency day. Uh, Odds and ends, do you have anything that you want to get in here? No, just, yeah, just for what's next, yeah. I mean, you know, this isn't going to stop uh, for, uh, I get in uh, on Friday. Uh, I got I guess Saturday will be the time I get to spend with my fiance. But yeah, development camp on Sunday. Uh, and development camp's the exciting one because we, we love the young stars, obviously, out in Penticton. It's a blast to go there. But you're not getting every single prospect in the system. Uh, at development camp, you are. You're getting the NCAA guys. You're getting the European guys. But because young stars is at the time where the NCAA guys are reporting and get, you know starting their schooling and even getting some practices going, as well as the SHL, Liga, KHL, all those leagues, they're actually going to be starting their regular seasons by the time that uh, young stars goes down. So this next week is uh, is the only time that you can see all of the prospects together. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Uh, and yeah, you'll be out there doing your Lego talk or whatever you're doing here. Are you going to bring like a set with you? Because I saw you built you built a Lego set the other day. It looked like it was nine blocks. It was like nine, th- these those big blocks of yours. You built a little Lego man or something. It didn't look like it was 9,000 pieces like, uh, like Hunter B over there. The upscaled minifigure is what you're referring to. And yeah. it is over 600 pieces. It is a great set. But yeah, you, you build. So basically, it's like a minifigure, but you, you build each limb. So you build the legs, right? And you put them together. So they look like big blocks. A lot of pieces in there, Chris. A lot of pieces. They don't make Lego pieces that big. There's oh. a system with Lego pieces. They're all the oh, same okay. size, right? So... Yeah. Oh, that's no, I, I got outside during my childhood and I had a good time doing all that stuff, you know, playing sports and seeing friends uh, instead of playing with Lego all day. But uh, no, I'm a uh, listen, I'm excited to see what happens next week's going to be another fun week. Um, but the other thing Hunter said was he's he's got to be he's very careful with his Lego because he's got three dogs. And it's, oh, bull, yeah, he said if, if he leaves a piece of Lego on the floor for 10 seconds, his pit bull's eating it up. So I know you're in the same boat right now with your dog. I know I'm sure Lego's a big problem for you. There's Bert well, right now on the cam, yeah, looking good. Yeah, I brought him up on the camera. A lot of people ask for a Bert cam in the chat Bert today. Cam. But, you know, the trick the trick that I've found is you put it in a tub and you kind of build it on your lap. But because you go one bag at a time, right? Like you with a Lego set, if it's, you know, I said it's 9,090 pieces. 
uh, for Hunter, our, our boy there. But it's not like he opened up every bag and dumped it into a pile and then had to search for his pieces. At least I hope that's not what he did. Usually they're kind of sectioned off. I think the Titanic is like 18 bags. I got to ask him about it. This is why I got to do the story and go talk to him about it. But, you know, you, you do one bag at a time, so it's a little less daunting. And it's funny, that Titanic that I was explaining to people, it basically comes together in three separate sections and it splits down the middle so you put it to you you do your sections and then you put it together in the middle and then that's where if it broke apart it would break right down the middle uh just and like people, the movie yes exactly or, or i guess the real boat too i guess the movie's based off of a real event i guess did you you know what i just watched uh i just watched james cameron's uh he's got a documentary i think it's on netflix or something uh, or one of these streaming sites, but he talks about like making how like this dude loves the Titanic. He's a huge fan of the Titanic. It was a good little uh, documentary. It was like 45 minutes uh, and he showed like how they made it. And then uh, it was cool. It was a cool little story. So uh, a lot of Titanic stuff here on the show today. Dude, I had books on the Titanic when I was a kid, like really? like little tight. Ty- oh, I loved, I loved the Titanic as a kid. Yeah. I found it so fascinating. Right. So anyways, the Titanic Lego set runs you $849 Canadian. So I'm not buying that anytime Jeez. soon, but Hey, I'm happy Hunter was able to build it. I definitely also don't have room to store it. Maybe I do. I got a couple shelves. Maybe yeah, we'll you got see. a couple. We'll yeah, see we'll your birth. See. Your birthday is coming up in uh, eight months. So maybe you'll get uh, the 9,000 piece set that you're looking for big time. And we've got people in the chat asking if there's a submarine Lego set. And yes, there are a few. So you might be able to build the companion. I wasn't going to touch the sub stuff. Keep well, that people... out of here. In the ch- I know people in the chat are going off about it. I'm not touching that thing. Yeah. Uh, people build icebergs with their tech. People get creative. It's creative. Oh, yeah, it's Lego. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Build a whole uh, little room. I yeah. used to tell you back when I uh, when I used to manage the A&W uh, when I was real young, I had a lady there. She was an older lady. And every paycheck we got that Friday, she went right down to Walmart and Toys R Us. And she, she got herself a set every time. Old Jean. She was great. Loved working with her. Everybody hated her except for me. Yeah, you've talked about her a few times on this show, so she's made yeah, an impression on you. Yeah, yep. you got to get some Lego. I think that's our next step. Is no, I'm not you playing. I'm not set. playing. I don't have time to sit there with Lego, and I got fat fingers. I can't be playing the little <laughs> ones. I'm fine with the ones that are like eight dots on the top, but the ones that are two, <laughs> my fingers are too fat. They get lost at something in between them and stuff like that when I'm putting them together. <laughs> Okay, maybe Lego's not for you. We'll get you Duplo or Mega Blocks, the ones that they have for yeah. toddlers. So they yeah, I need the Mega Block for, for toddlers and fat fingered men. <laughs> okay. We'll close it out there. Uh, we'll be back on Monday or Tuesday to talk about what the Canucks have done in free agency. But, folks, read along at CanucksArmy.com. We've had a lot go up on the site in the past week, and that's going to continue through the weekend. But for now, uh, safe travels, my friend. For my co-host, Chris Faber, and our technical producer, Aaron Burdado. thanks for following along this week's fo- this week, folks. My name is David Grigelli. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Canucks Conversation. Woo! Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?